Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development, where Andrew and I talk to experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. I <laughs> like that intro. I'm gonna totally like just redo the uh, the audio for the intro of our podcast. What do you think? You may need to put it in a new key. You never know. I was gonna do it in a kazoo with a kazoo. But... <laughs> Maybe when we get together, man, we could play some tracks down. That that that'd be the way. That'd be the way to go. It, I'll bring my funny. trombone. You bring your you bring your guitar. It's all good. Jeremy Fake and I talked about doing that a year ago. It was like gonna be our yearly goal but then he like a, he was a traitor and abandoned the podcast but uh, yeah i think that would be really cool i i you know it's something on my list where we'll someday redo it and we don't have to worry about any sort of royalties because it'll be some like really crappy tune jingle that we came up with on our own so uh, we'll inflict our listeners with that be awesome. every, every single week <laughs> that's right awesome well welcome to episode 124 it's a it's a great warm week here in texas how are things there for you coatsy yeah man it's uh, it, it's uh it's you know winter is coming but it's nowhere near here yet we've just had a, a huge cyclone hit the the far northeast uh, uh portion of uh, of australia and uh, we're getting some of its uh, some of its off casts of rain coming down this way but we've had a beaut week uh, in terms of you know, 29 20 30 degrees yesterday sunny was very very pleasant but uh, but have, we've had a fair bit of wet recently and then it's it's coming back again but man it's uh, uh like you can't complain about living in sydney it's great I, I miss it. I'll have to have to make a trip here soon. I was looking at um, usually after the build conference, my team does what we call a build tour, where we go all around the world and talk about all the new things that were announced at build. And we're already talking about a build tour. And I saw Sydney on there. I'm like, ah, oh, I gotta make it, dude. We gotta do some shows like face to face. That'd be totally. so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look. Uh, but we'll, we'll do some face to face at build. At build uh, itself. That's right. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that a lot. Might even bust out with like a live show. That Ooh, might be something we throw on our awesome. listeners. Yeah, all right. Come and come and be involved. That's right. So, <laughs> anyway, um, you know, in terms of weekly updates this week, it was a little bit of a quiet week, but there were a few interesting things. You know, the PNP team. Um, you know, whether it's rain, sleet, or snow, those guys are always out busy doing something, and so they did a webcast this week on. You know, what is SharePoint PNP's JavaScript core library? So just going into that in, in a little bit more detail. Um, and so, you know, all of the content they put out is all, always so good. Um, if you're interested in, you know, things around SharePoint, you know, certainly there's SharePoint CSOM, but the PNP team extends that even further to be able to do things uh, very easy. So definitely check that out if you're interested in, in seeing what's going on there. Absolutely, and then particularly as someone who's trying to keep up with what's going on, this next one is, is really really key to me. The the, um, the SharePoint team have put out a SharePoint framework roadmap uh, up on dev.office.com, and they're just going to keep that up to date, I guess. But it just shows you what's what's happened, what's coming up, uh, what they're thinking about, and when things are likely to happen. Yeah, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks back. How Vesa did in in one of the special interest group calls. Uh, kind of gave a vision of this, and so it's nice to see a little bit more like of an official, not that VESA isn't official, but um, it's cool to see this in more of a documented form. So um, very cool there. Uh, really not so much Office Dev related, but it is, I guess, is 
this week, the registration opened for Microsoft Ignite 2017. So in Orlando. Pretty, in Orlando, that's right. So you can go see Mickey and Minnie and uh, maybe some other great things while you're there in Orlando. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, that, that should be fun. It's, it's, a, it's actually a, an amazing conference center uh, in Orlando. I remember going to a tech ed there one time. And, you know, they're, they're like, like all the big conference centers, but, but it's, just, it's just the scale of these things. There was, I think I worked out there were nine hectares of, uh, of showcase floor. And what's that, about 20-something acres on the on the showcase floor, uh, it blows my mind. It's the the the, the mess hall or the cafeteria, oh, yeah. I guess you could say. <laughs> that like is mind boggling to me. It's like as far as you can see, it's tables of for people, people eating, eating. And, and, yeah. and you've got an hour to feed ten thousand people. That's pretty amazing stuff. And they yeah. do it. They do it every time. Just bam, 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 bam. They've got got it down pat. Very, very cool. But there might be some good content there as well, as well as all the, the neat logistics. Um, yeah, that, uh, the other thing that, that always amazed me is there were all the staff were getting around on segways. You know, that's how they that's how they got around the place. Very cool. So uh, check it out. Uh, you know, if you want a good hotel for build, or I'm sorry, ignite, you probably want to do it early. Um, I've already surprisingly. You know, because we're still a really long way. I, I don't remember. I think it's sometime September, in September of yeah. next year. Is I already That's saw year, right? people this on year. Twitter. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, I already saw people on Twitter talking about registering for it. So uh, I can tell you now that the good hotels, There's I know there's particularly one that's, like, connected to the conference center. Um, it, it, what didn't used to be there, it's something that's relatively new. And I guarantee you that one's going to fill. It's probably already full, full but... Um, that would be the one I'd go for. I don't even I don't even care about brand loyalty at that point. I just want something that's as, as much walking as you end up having to do in one of those big conferences. I, I want something close. So right, right. Twenty five to twenty nine September, by the way, if you if you're looking for the dates. There we September. go. Yeah, very cool indeed. Um, the the guys at Rencore have done another uh, another webinar about building client side web parts with the SharePoint framework. Um, it's just uh, another another one of those uh, those teams that keeps pushing out great content. Yeah, and, and actually, this one specifically, they had Andrew Connell as the guest, and we had Andrew on the show probably a little bit over a month ago, and you know, Andrew has been just living in the SharePoint framework, producing training content, and so it was cool to see him get on there, and, and you know, to me, those are some of the biggest minds in, you know, add VESA to it, and you got like the mind share of what we're doing around SharePoint framework in the community. I, and I don't mean to insult other MVPs. I know there's a lot of other MVPs and people doing great things, but that's certainly a big chunk of our mind share um, between Rencore and, and AC. So um, su- super good uh, podcast if, or webcast, so you can go check that out. They also have a transcript on the link that we'll have in the show notes where you can just kind of read through it if you want to. And beyond that, um, AC's training course actually launched this week so he and he's providing the first three chapters for free um so voitanos is his uh, you know training uh, endeavor that he's doing uh, sharepoint framework is the very first module that he's delivering in it and uh, he's offering it for free so we'll have a, a sign up link where you can get that for free in the show notes. Um, I actually went through it this week. Uh, AC's a good friend, and I just wanted to kind of see, 
Um, he's shared with me some of his vision around how he wants to deliver the training. So I wanted to see how this was unique and how it's different from other online trainings that I've taken or classroom-based trainings. And I got to tell you, I thought it was uh, pretty fantastic. Um, sp- uh, most specifically, um, the first few chapters, I've done so much with the SharePoint framework that it really didn't provide me all that much value. But uh, the third chapter, to me, uh, was just amazing. Like he goes through kind of the open stack and, and I, I've been doing open web stack for a while and, and he taught me a bunch, like, you know, different ways um, of, you know, extending the terminal so you, if you're using something like Node Version Manager, you can see what version of Node. And I really like that AC takes a, a laid back approach of only only learn what you need to learn. Like you don't need to, don't be intimidated by all these different tools that plug into uh, the SharePoint framework. Just you, just learn what you need to. Um, and I thought he did a really good job of enforcing that, but also giving you the high-level look of where everything fit in. And, and he, he does it in a way of comparing it to .NET developers. Because if you're a SharePoint developer, you've been living in a .NET world almost. Right. Um, a, I can almost guarantee you that you've been living in a .NET world. Uh, and so he compares it how, like, you know, here is, you know, whereas in .NET you might use MS Build that actually, like, compiles your code. In the kind of OpenStack world, you might use Webpack to uh, translate your TypeScript down to JavaScript. So I thought it was super cool, and the fact that it's free, you can go take it. Um, I thought that was really cool that he's offering that. Definitely very cool. And how long did it take you to get through those those two or three chapters, Rich? Um, you know, just like listening to podcast, I, I usually change the speed on things and I want to say I got through, I don't hold me to this, but I want to say I got through all three chapters in about two hours just by modifying the speed of things. And I took a few notes, especially in that last chapter. Um, the first few chapters are kind of giving you some history about SharePoint development and things like that. So they're also very good, um, Especially if you're newer to SharePoint development, um, it's that third one for me. Like even being like very experienced, I like got a lot of value out of it. So uh, definitely check it all out. And like I said, there's a there'll be a link to get that free in the show notes. Awesome. And of course, uh, AC is not just doing this uh, this paid stuff. He's also c- continues to produce awesome content that he puts out on his blog. And he's done a blog this week about um, uh, an error he ran into. Uh, out of the blue, his SharePoint framework project won't build. Here's, here's, how to, here's how to troubleshoot that. Yeah, this is kind of one of the growing pains of working with bleeding edge technology is that, you know, even though the SharePoint framework is GA, they're still revving it. And, and unfortunately, there's there's occasions where different like versions end up getting mismatches and I think that was the case here and he talks about how he was able to figure out what was going on and and get moving with it so um, you know definitely check that out especially if you're again new to OpenStack he gives you some you know tips on on kind of getting past that. Nice. I think it's true of all the dev stuff we're doing, particularly at that bleeding edge. I mean, I was doing some some um, Teams dev the other day, and just I got errors that didn't seem to make any sense. And it was going back to those fundamentals about how do you troubleshoot thing, how do you, how do you debug things that was was pretty useful. And, and you know, also find some tools that, that help you with it. In, the, in this particular case, my, my particular case, it was a, a schema error I had with one of the JSON files. But the, because I was using a decent tool, it, it got picked up by the uh, by the tool itself. Very nice indeed. 
So uh, Paul Shafflin, my, my buddy out of Chicago, he did a, a post on getting Azure AD B2C access tokens. This really isn't an Office 365 development thing, although you can, through Azure AD B2C, you can get tokens for um, like a, like an, a traditional MSA token that would allow you to you know work with some of the Microsoft services. But um, to me, identity is such a key component to really everything that we do in Office 365 development that I think it's important for people to be aware of some of these alternate patterns around Azure Active Directory. Um, and B2C is pretty interesting. If you're building a site that you want to put, like, that you want consumers going to, I, I honestly, you got to have some amazing idea to have your own identity in it. Like, I, I don't see, like, why you wouldn't do, like, a federated identity with, like, Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever. And, that can be um, and or, right? Facebook and or LinkedIn and or Twitter. That's the cool thing about B2C. Yeah, absolutely. And and what I was like the the key point here is that B2C although there are like some premium skews of it is for like a certain number of sign-ins like it's free. So you can do Azure um, you know the B2C for free. Uh, I don't remember what the threshold is, but um, you know we do give you like a an easy level of entry and then once your site goes viral then you start paying us a bunch of money. Uh, I, I'd say that kind of jokingly, but um, it is uh, it, it is super easy if you've done things with like OAuth two. It's it's really just an OAuth two flow, and you can um, set up policies for sign ups and sign in policies and different things like that. It's pretty neat. It is very neat indeed, and you can add some additional metadata. That's the other cool thing about the whole ha- having a B two C directory is you use the the external provider as the authentication provider, but you you can put additional claims in your in, in your uh, directory that get passed back as part of that uh, part of that flow. Yep. Very nice indeed. Um, uh, Mike Svensson, of course, uh, another another name that keeps popping up. Uh, controlling groups creation and a tenant using Active Directory uh, Azure Active Directory V2 PowerShell module. Uh, Mike's done some some neat stuff a, a, around this, and, and this is quite a nice little drill down into uh, in, into uh, a, a useful technique for for handling uh, handling groups and groups creation. Yeah, yeah, it I I you know this was one that we were chatting a little bit about behind the scenes and um I think this one will be uh pretty pretty key as people start looking at you know doing more things around groups and making that more of a first class citizen in their tenants. So um definitely check that one out. Elio Struif Struif um did a, a interesting post. This was Again, kind of groups related, but he talks about how to get the SharePoint site that is behind an Office 365 group. So when you provision an Office 365 group, behind the scenes, there's all this kind of like infrastructure that kind of comes along with it. You end up getting a dedicated site collection in in SharePoint Online for that. And they've recently, in the beta endpoint of the Microsoft Graph, made that um, accessible. So you can actually get to that site and not just the main files area of that site, you can kind of get to the the full full site that you uh, might want to work that, that, with. So that's very yeah. awesome. I had I had a, a very similar question at my uh, at the user group I did last week uh, and the Sydney SharePoint user group, and I couldn't answer it. I, I'm still I've still got an open question around this. Um, does that also apply to the one for the uh, the teams when you create a new team? Uh, what's happening behind the scenes is it's I think it's creating a group, and therefore I guess you could get at the stuff the same way. 
That, that's correct. Yeah, they um, actually look pretty much identical behind the scenes. In fact, uh, the way the way it works is that um, if you look at like a my Office 365 group, there's a files area, and that's just a document library. In Teams, you have this additional level of taxonomy, which is the channel. So a team has multiple channels, which right. is kind of just a an organization. The way it works is that um, the default document library in that site collection, um, each channel just gets a folder. So it's uh-huh. pretty simple the way they've done that. But actually, like it's funny, you know, based on some of our previous discussions, um, they it, it starts to, I think. You start to get a light around why uh, external sharing isn't as easy as we might first expect it to be, uh, because like that that like external security has to cascade all the way down to all these things behind the scenes, like the SharePoint sites. Um, and if I only introduce maybe an external user, and you know, once we introduce things like channel security, that starts to get really interesting how all these things come into play. But yeah, it is quite the same behind the scenes other than the fact there's an additional layer of having those folders. Right, very cool. Where are we? Okay, yes, uh, admin bot. Uh, Rick Van Rooslet has, uh, has done some stuff around uh, the, the SharePoint admin bot. And we've been talking a little bit about the using the bot framework and, and, um, and setting up stuff. Well, I think we talked about this uh, a, a week or two ago, uh, but he's, he's done a nice post on it. Yeah, he did a post a few weeks ago, and this is a little bit different. He's actually open-sourced it now, so you can uh, go and, and pull it down and, and contribute to it. And, you know, given how, um, I think, how rich the SharePoint community is, particularly, I see this being a really popular tool maybe for the SharePoint IT pros, um, is, you know, we've seen such a great contribution around things like PowerShell to me, this is like a even better version of PowerShell because it's like I could I could do this anywhere. Like I could be I don't have to like remote desktop into a machine where there's PowerShell and be able to like perform some operations. I might be able to do it all through my bot. Uh, and so I thought this was really cool. He also did another post on um, how to do contextual authentication with the web chat control of the bot framework inside of SharePoint. So this is I kind of identical to what I did. Um, however, he took a different approach. Uh, he actually talks about my approach a little bit in the post, but I use the back channel to just pass context. Uh, he actually, because we open source that web chat control in, for the bot framework, he actually just extended that control altogether. Uh, so it's not really so much using, um, he's not so much using the like, contextual back channel He's actually doing an authentication, and he's um, setting the user information to initialize the bot. Um, and if you've used the web chat, you probably know what I'm talking about. You have mm-hmm. to give it, like, you know, who the user is when you initialize that uh, bot control. But uh, anyway, just another approach. Uh, I'm not saying mine's my approach is right or his approach is right. I think it's just nice to have different options. Indeed, yeah, very, very cool. And look, that, that's one of the, the other questions I often get is, which one of these should I use? And, and the answer, of course, is whatever kind of works for you, and we can give you some guidance, but it's not necessarily a single, a single answer to any of those questions. Actually, the answer is mine. <laughs> no, I'm, just I'm just kidding. Rick, I'm just kidding with you. I, that, I, liked, your, I liked your post. So, um, yeah, so that really kind of does it for the, the show notes this week. Uh, we decided not to have a guest this week. We wanted to uh, maybe 
come back to the whole concept of getting started. I think sometimes we maybe take for granted who our listeners are, and it, it helps to, on occasion, take that step back and, and talk about where people can get started with different areas. And you might be like a hardcore SharePoint developer and never messed with other things, like maybe Skype for Business, and you're interested on how, like maybe your web parts, how you get things like presence showing up for your users that are displaying. And so we wanted to go through kind of the comprehensive list around um, like the different areas of Office 365 development. Just so like when people hear Office 365 development, what all does that encompass? What sort of like upfront things should I like come in with? What sort of knowledge should I come in with? And what sort of sort of skills I might need to uh, be aware of? Uh, I think I think this is really important because it's you know, we've got new people starting Office Dev all the time, and, and Office Dev is meaning more and more things all the time. And so while people might be, you know, expert SharePoint guys, they might not know a lot about the graph or understand much about Teams, or they might have come in from the from the API side of things, like like I did, I guess, and not be a, not be a, a, an experienced SharePoint dev. So, you know, I, when we were chatting about this, I thought it was a really good idea that we kind of came in sort of from the beginning again just to give people a, another another chance to level set. The other, the other thing I wanted to cover off today was, you know, Obviously, if you're listening to this, then you're an office developer or thinking about doing office dev and you're probably kind of convinced, but you might easily come across people in your travels who aren't yet convinced about office dev and whether that's a useful thing to do. And so we thought we might try and give you a couple of things that we think are important about office dev and why it's why it's useful that you could use to, to help have those discussions. Yeah, so I guess since I did like the manual like show like intro song I should do like the manual transition into like the show content so here it goes hey how's it going Coatsy <laughs> hey Rich that, that probably sounds a lame so flat but I don't care I can't wait we're going to use that forever that one now we're, we're, I know we've got to chop that out and then use it in every show well, hey, you know, since we're taking this step back, talking about like the the like holistic picture of Office 365 development and where to get started in different areas, I thought it also would be interesting to just share some statistics. And these are actually a little bit dated. We usually get updated statistics around build every year, so maybe in the next month or two, we'll have some updated stats. These are like a year old, and if you've looked at any of our earning or heard any of our Microsoft earnings reports, hopefully you've seen like the dramatic. Uh, quarter over quarter growth of uh, Office 365 and our productivity cloud. So these are probably uh, you could almost almost like double these or maybe even more. Uh, but I, I thought some of these statistics were just interesting to share on like why you should even care about Office 365 development. So there are more than 50,000 small businesses added to Office 365 every month. That that alone to me is pretty staggering. Yeah, staggering. I'm not saying fifty thousand added a year. I'm saying every month fifty thousand small businesses are added to it. Yeah, that, that, that's incredible. And that that yeah, at least sixty million monthly active users on Office three six five commercial as well. So that's uh, pretty amazing. And and you think about like especially like when you think about like combining that like the small business and like general like commercial services like especially like small business like those are the types of businesses that like they need people to develop more things on top of that platform because they they need more of like a one-stop shop for all of their capabilities like it's it's probably challenging for them to go off and get like maybe HR solutions so if something like that plugs in nicely already with Office 365 right. they're really a prime 
person for a developer to target is those small businesses. So I Shed- think that's pretty. Yeah, absolutely. Shed- scheduling stuff, vertical things around uh, around particular um, around particular professions or, or trades. That stuff is really really key. And and because all the all the infrastructures in the back end, they plug straight into it, and that they, that's what they want to do. They don't want to have to spend time or money working out how to do those things. They just want that to work. That's right. A few other ones here is uh, 400 million monthly active users on Outlook.com. So that's kind of speaking to the consumer side, uh, which when we talk Microsoft Graph, that is like right in the wheelhouse of it is. So, you know, 400 million monthly active users. Uh, I mean, that that is a, a pretty – you're getting into like Facebook-type numbers at that point uh, when you talk about 400 million monthly active. Um, there's up to – Three billion minutes of calls each day with Skype. Three billion minutes. I, yeah. I want to say that like with uh, like with your little billion. finger up, up against your uh, up against your lips with a, with a B exactly. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, just like if if you're discounting it because I mentioned like small businesses, you know the 50k small businesses every month. Office 365 is now in four out of five, so 80 percent of the Fortune 500 enterprises are using this and so um, it's it's not something that's exclusive just to small businesses it's all the way up to the the biggest businesses you can imagine are leveraging you know this as like a commodity platform for their productivity needs yeah that's that's that's, uh, that's amazing and and lots i mean i i'm going and seeing a lot of different uh, a lot of different big businesses at the moment and they're just kind of taking it for granted that that office 365 is part of that equation uh, and they want to know what they can do with it it's uh, it, it's very very cool stuff um Look, I mean, those numbers are great, and it, and and um, you know, it sounds like a a bit like a sales pitch. But I guess the key thing is that it really means there's a huge opportunity for Office Dev. That's the that's the that's the bottom line here. If you're a developer and you want to use the platform, then this is uh, this is really something that that's that's worth that's worth looking at because there's there's plenty of demand for it and lots of places that you can extend it. That's the other thing that I want to talk about with the, the Office platform is how how much work we've done at Microsoft to make sure that there are places you can extend it. That's right. So, like, like, as a as a next step, like, what are what are like some general, like, like before we ever like dive into some of the, like the specific components of Office three sixty five development, what what are some like general helpful things that people can kind of come in with um, as as something that that would be helpful for them? So I like the I like the way uh, in tradition we've kind of broken up this idea of office development. One is that that you want to be able to put stuff. Uh, you want to give your users the ability to do things in the context in which they already are. And for many people, that the, that context is living somewhere in office. So if they, if your users are in Excel or PowerPoint or Outlook or Word, you want to be able to give them that additional functionality inside that application. And we do that with you know extending extending the office clients. This to me is it, and it's the bread and butter of, of of particularly dev for small business, but also for larger businesses as well. Um, uh, and let let me give you an example. Um, before I started at Microsoft, which is some time ago now, I worked for a um, I worked for a uh, a, a company uh, contracting building software for them, and they, their main job was to import uh, high end document scanners, and they had you know half a dozen sales guys, uh, and and they'd bring in you know scanners that would do. Uh, 500 pages a minute kind of scanning uh, for insurance companies and those sorts of things. So they're you know moderately moderately expensive and not really commodity you know 
levels. And they'd often get questions from uh, a, a customer about what the status of an order was. And they'd get an order, a, 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 an email that said something like, you know, reorder 4726, can you please advise the, sta- the, uh, the, the status of, uh, of, of this order and when we're likely to receive the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the delivery? And, of course, what that meant was the sales guy would get this, this, uh, this email to kind of stop whatever he was doing, and he'd go off and look at about four different systems. He'd go and look up in the account system to find out uh, whether the um, whether this particular company had paid their bills or, or made their deposit. He'd have to go and look up in the CRM system to see if anyone else had already spoken to the um, to the to the company about what was happening. Uh, this person or any other person at the company, they'd have to go and look up in the um, in, in the ARP system to find out what the status of each of the components of the order was. And in fact, before that, had go and look up in the account system and find out what the components of the order was, and then into the ERP system to find out what the status of each of those line items was, you know, whether things were on back order, what was happening around building things. And then I had to go and look in the, the tracking system, the, the, uh, the, 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 um, the delivery tracking system, to find out whether this actually had already been delivered or parts have already been delivered. And so there were five or six different things they had to go and do. And so what I wrote for them was a, a, an add-in that, that, that when it found this... Uh, uh, something that matched their order number, it went and did those lookups for them in the background and presented all that information in the context of the email and they could respond immediately saying, you know, dear Jim, thanks for your note. I, I note that I, I see that, that, uh, that my, my colleague Harry has spoken to, uh, to Sarah in dispatch already, in, in your dispatch department already. She, he did that on the, on the, uh, on the 15th and um, uh, he's, he's told her that, uh, that we're still waiting on uh, the, the power supply for, you know, the, the big scanner um, that's now scheduled to arrive on the 12th um, and um, uh, I also note that we're waiting on a, uh, a payment from your uh, from your accounts payable department before we can ship anything uh, please contact Mary in our accounts department but that happened all in that context of that email because all the information they needed to answer that that question was presented to them and it was a simple thing to do behind the scenes to go and make service calls to go and get that information and put it in the email. But it saved them a bunch of time, not just going looking those things up, but also switching context. And that's the key thing, I think, with that. Yeah, so the, the add-in, and I, I don't know when that was that you, you did that, but the, the add-ins are almost as like kind of putting your experience inside of Office and SharePoint and you know where in Outlook that's been around as long as those products have been around it's it's something that you know from the from the get go when we release a new product t- people typically want to somehow put their own experiences into that so you see things like even with Microsoft Teams that we just you know released it already has an add-in model through through the custom tabs uh, and so yeah i think i think that is certainly um, it's a traditional area for us and and certainly still very strong and and as we modernize it um, yeah, the, sec- yeah. the second kind of key aspect to uh, our kind of value prop for Office 365 development is really around the APIs. And and so uh, APIs are another area that it, it's been in the product for, in large part, we've had various APIs. Now, over time, those have gotten much more standard-based um, if uh, we'll take SharePoint for example, like in the early days, all you really had was assemblies that you had to like open up in Reflector and try to figure out how you could use them. We really didn't even have them documented, and then like they got better documentation. But then we introduced like an actual SOAP web service, and then from there we went and introduced like richer APIs, like being able to do things with like CSOM, where I didn't have to execute my code on the SharePoint box. 
and then even REST APIs. And that's the trend you see now with all of our services is having RESTful APIs that use things like OAuth. And so we'll talk about some of those as we kind of go through the list. And I guess the last one, just, just quickly, is the third kind of big area is really kind of around communications. And this is something that's really evolved over the last, I would say, year. You start seeing much more extensibility around things like Skype, things like connectors and being able to have a rich communication type platform through connectors and certainly bots you know what we're doing with things like teams and being able to have you know rich bots inside of there and skype um, are certainly a a big part of our uh, extensibility story and and all of those i think have some like like fundamentals like if you're interested in any of those three areas there's some fundamental things that i think you're going to to want to do whether it's your development environment or um, some fundamental skills. Uh, and so I, I noticed in the show notes you kind of captured a few of these, uh, Coatsy. Uh, what, what sort of things do you feel like are good fundamental things before someone uh, ever really starts diving deeper in some of these more specific areas? Right. Well, so, so for me as a, as a guy who's been a, a, a .NET dev pretty much my entire Microsoft life and before that I was a Fox Pro guy, um, I, I um, uh, the thing the thing I struggle most with with our new development model is doing web dev. Now, for some people, that's not a big issue. They've been doing web dev forever, and you know everything's all hunky dory. And I think you're probably in that in that uh, in that boat, Rich. But the 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 thing that I I struggle most with is the, the some of the concepts around JavaScript, some of the the things around setting up a, a decent build environment and, and dev environment, and and how to get my head around the various the various components I need to do modern web dev. And so um, uh, there's a, a bunch of a bunch of great uh, resources out there for getting started with modern web dev, and I would I would suggest that that finding one or more of those, and we've got some links in the show notes to a couple, uh, is worth uh, is worth investing some time in if you're going to do office dev. Yeah, so you, uh, definitely, you know, JavaScript is, if you're a .NET developer, that's still certainly a, a possibility, but you see more and more things kind of moving to the front end. Um, certainly everything that we're doing with Office add-ins, with Teams tabs, and with things like the SharePoint framework, it's all kind of moving to the front end. Now, you certainly you need services behind the scenes, so there's still, you know, some some back-end development that you'll probably do with a lot of these, but... There certainly is that need for JavaScript, and so there's a really good link that we'll have in the show notes about modern JavaScript for the ancient web developer. I thought that was kind of an interesting title <laughs> for this, uh, but it's a good link. And the other one that you have here is uh, creating an insane developer workstation in the cloud. What is that all about? So this is, this one struck my fancy because um, it, one of the things that we do as as devs is we love to pimp out our machines as as as, uh, as much as we can afford for us, you know, as uh, as, as, you know, bigger screens, more grunt is all good. So um, Daniel Meixner, uh, who's a, 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 a Microsofty out of Germany, has done a great post on um, actually taking taking advantage of some of the, uh, the the credits, the Azure credits you might have as an MSDN subscriber, and setting up a dev box that actually you remote into. And he's talking about uh, having a machine that you know might have 56 gigs of memory and, and you know eight cores, and and just running it up in the cloud whenever you need it. Uh, a really, really interesting idea. So, um, you know, I'm not saying that everyone should do their dev you know, on a on a cloud machine. That's obviously it's it's difficult if you're connecting physical devices. That's that's a hard thing to do. But if you're if you're doing uh, if you're doing web dev or, or office dev, maybe this is a really interesting way of looking at things. And and Daniel's got quite a nice uh, quite a nice walkthrough of how to do that. 
You know, it's funny that this comes up. I just got a brain. I'm looking at a brand new laptop right now, and I haven't been able to. I haven't been in the office today to. I haven't even turned it on yet, but I'm like dying to turn on my new laptop. <laughs> just looking at it and salivating at it. But you know, it, it, like I remember being a SharePoint developer early on. I, I, it was always like who carried around the biggest laptop and you had these people with these like monstrosity laptops where you turned it on and it sounded it was like a a jet engine that was starting up and i remember like what how revolutionary it was when you could actually run like 16 gigs of ram on a laptop you know now i have little like tiny little laptops that run that much memory but um yeah i mean like you at some point you're especially if you're going to do like some really heavy duty things, maybe with like 3D graphics or um, you, you need a SharePoint server for something. That's going to get harder and harder to run on a laptop. And so thinking about being and able honestly, to, why, why do you want to like there, there is compute in the cloud that you can just use, and most of the time you've got connectivity. If you haven't got connectivity, you've got issues, I guess that that that, that might be broader than just your dev issues. But if if you can run this stuff on someone else's computer, running up in a data center somewhere. Then yeah, more more power to you. Definitely, yep, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And oh. then uh, and then, of course, not everyone has a um, not everyone has a uh, a, a, a PC. Yeah, that's but, true. That's but true. But you can do a bunch of this work on uh, on something other than a PC. I understand. Yeah, and and to that point, um, I, we've already kind of mentioned it, but uh, I I actually think it's probably some of the best training out there right now is Andrew Connell's free training that shows you how to set up. For doing OpenStack development, I mean, he does a, a fantastic job of showing you like how you know the right the right ways to install Node and NPM and get those updated and and how all the different kind of components fit into play. Uh, so we'll have that link and definitely you know again it's free. Just go through his walkthrough that shows you how to um, you know if you've never touched a Mac before. I've only been using a Mac. It's all I use now, but I've been only using been using a Mac for about uh, maybe. Two years now, I guess, but at first it was like it was totally like a foreign experience to me. Right. Uh, and so, you know, even how do you close an application? Because the the X doesn't close; you have to actually mm-hmm. do it a different way. And so, um, yeah, we'll have that in the show notes and, and definitely check that out. So, some of the fundamentals, like again, having good JavaScript basics, are going to be really helpful. Um, understanding one thing we don't have in the show notes, but maybe I'll I'll try to find a good link is understanding like basic principles around identity and authentication um, right. is I think pretty key is understanding like what an OAuth flow is and and you can it's really way simpler than people make it out to to be um, you start seeing secrets and like you know app IDs and all these sort of things and uh, it's it really is a lot easier it's just a redirect and then a post to get a token uh, and so it's a lot easier and we'll have a link to that but that's some of the the fundamentals is is having those in place a good you know, developer environment some of those basic skills um, and then that gets into some of the different areas around office 365 development so we thought we'd kind of list out all the different kind of facets. If you're a SharePoint developer, here might be some other things that you might want to look into. And for each one of these areas, we'll have in the show notes a kind of a quick start link. Like if you want just the basic, how do I get started? What's kind of the the entry level for each one of these things? You can do it. And also along the way, we'll kind of talk about, again, what the skill set is for some of those uh, areas. So what's, what's kind of first on our list, uh, Coatsy? 
Well, let's well, let's talk about APIs and the graph, the Microsoft graph. Um, uh, it gives you such a great um, access to so many enterprise level services that run in our in our data centers in Office three six five. So the graph gives you access through a REST API to uh, the identity stuff, all, all the all, all the directory pieces, but also things like Excel and uh, through the Excel APIs, um, video uh, files, uh, people, email, uh, uh, calendar, and heaps of other things that you can just integrate directly into your own application. That's right. Yeah, and and you know it's funny if we were having this conversation like two years ago before the graph was um, uh, uh, something that was available, uh, because I, I believe two yeah two years ago it wasn't even in something in a preview. Is this we would be talking about like ten different APIs right now? We'd be talking right. about like. SharePoint APIs and Outlook APIs, and you know it'd be get even more complex there because we'd have Outlook Consumer and Outlook Commercial, um, and then we'd have you know things like OneNote, and uh, it would go on and on. The graph encompasses all that, so it's very easy. Like if you want to talk to any sort of like productivity services and directory type of information, like the graph is that one-stop shop. Uh, again, it's all REST. Probably the best tool. We'll have a getting started link here, but. I'd highly recommend anyone interested in the graph just going to something like the Graph Explorer and start just kind of playing around with some queries in it. Um, you know, that's the benefit of REST is it's it's pretty easy, especially to do Gits, to kind of uh, play around there. You don't even need a tenant to mess around with the Graph Explorer. They give you one uh, to, to mess around with. But in terms of, like, prerequisites, I would say that you probably are going to want an Office 365 tenant if you're going to do anything... Uh, advanced in the graph. The, the graph does it is starting to support some hybrid scenarios for things like Exchange. If you have like Exchange, some mailboxes are on-premises and some are in the cloud, then um, we are starting to support that with the Microsoft Graph. And I would imagine more things over time. But in, in large part, hybrid means you have to have some cloud presence, so it, it would uh, probably benefit you for going and Signing up for like the developer program, getting a free tenant, and and using that. We should we should call out the dev program actually, Rich, because that's that's a really key thing that some people perhaps don't know about. As part of the, the dev program, dev.office.com/slash/dev/program, I think is the is the link. Um, you can actually get a, a tenant that uh, gives you up to twenty five mailboxes now uh, to. to to play with and, and, and to do all your dev work on. You become the administrator of that tenant. Um, you can add a, a custom domain, which I think both you and I have done to our dev tenants to make things even easier. Uh, and that's, uh, that's, that's, a really worthwhile, that's a really worthwhile step, and as you say, completely free. Yep. So for the graph, again, it's just REST. The only thing you have to do is, is uh, have a, uh, a token that you supply with every request. It's just something that goes in the header. So if you've ever done uh, like an HTTP get or post or put or delete, same thing here. You're just providing some information in, in the header. So um, in terms of skills, there's not really a – this isn't a JavaScript thing or a, a C-sharp thing or a PHP thing. Do it in all those different platforms. It's really more of, you know, how to perform HTTP operations and how to uh, do a little bit of authentication. And so we'll have a link to that. But uh, the graph had actually in their documentation for the Microsoft Graph, they talk about authentication and authorization. And um, it's, it's certainly, I think, probably one of the most powerful things that we offer at Microsoft. Yeah, very, very cool indeed. Um, so then... That's the API side of things, and we'll, we'll obviously we've got a bunch of links in the notes to that. But what about the add-in side of things, Rich? 
Yeah, and so, you know, our add-in model, we have add-ins for a number of different areas, and so I'm going to specifically talk about three different add-ins uh, areas that we have. So we have add-ins for Office, and then we really have two types of add-ins for uh, SharePoint. Uh, so we have the traditional SharePoint add-ins, and then we have what we call the new SharePoint framework. Um, and so we'll make sure that uh, we have kind of links to both of these in here. But for all of our add-in development, whether we're talking about Office add-ins, SharePoint add-ins, or SharePoint framework uh, development, this is pretty much all client-side. SharePoint add-ins do have a little bit of server-side things that you can do. Uh, and so that's maybe the one, uh, I would say, different thing here is doing SharePoint add-in development, but Office add-ins, you're going to be dealing with something called Office JS, and it's going to allow you to manipulate things in the document where you're at, um, and so you can build those add-ins for everything from Excel to PowerPoint to um, OneNote to Word and even Outlook, uh, so you have a lot of flexibility in where those add-ins run, and again, it's all web development, so this isn't like your traditional add-ins that maybe you're accustomed to in the past. Yeah, very um, good. And, and for SharePoint, it's kind of the same deal. Uh, here you can do everything client-side. There is what we call a SharePoint hosted add-in, uh, but then there's also a provider hosted add-in that uh, it could still all be JavaScript, but it's going to run from your own web server somewhere. And at that point, you can introduce any sort of web technology you want. Um, I will tell you that the SharePoint framework is not doing away with traditional SharePoint add-ins. Um, those have been SharePoint add-ins have been around for a while, and they're not they're not going away. Um, especially since the SharePoint framework runs full trust, SharePoint add-ins aren't full trust. There's actually a permissioning model that allow you to specify a specific scope of permissions that those can run in. And so um, they're, again, SharePoint add-ins aren't going away because the SharePoint framework is around. Uh, but that being said, the new hot thing in the SharePoint developer world is the SharePoint framework. And right now that's really just doing web parts. Gives you a much better uh, framework for building web parts where if I did a web part in the old kind of SharePoint add-in way, it was an iframe. And that had all kinds of challenges it was slower because your full page had to load before the content in the iframe loaded. Uh, but also, it's really hard to make iframe content responsive. Uh, and so, like, trying to get those to work on mobile wasn't all that easy. Um, and so, the new SharePoint framework, it doesn't run in iframes. You can use pretty much any JavaScript library you want. Uh, and it's, uh, uh, again, kind of the latest, greatest thing. One of the things we talk about web dev, I think um, we've done a lot of work at Microsoft to give a consistent look and feel across the office uh, space with this uh, with, with a um, a frame with a well a suite of of controls and and, and templates and uh, and functionality called the Office UI fabric. So it's definitely worth at least understanding where that is. Well, I was in with a, a, a big eyes for yesterday, and they were building their own design language for the new stuff they're doing, and I pointed them at the fabric, and they they immediately decided that it was a great idea to adopt some or all of that as part of that as part of their uh, of their, of their new language design language yeah and if you think about the fabric it is a client side thing so it's css and in some cases javascript to help uh, deliver uh, an experience that looks like office in fact it should be pointed out that the office ui fabric we build some of our own products with that i mean it's it's ip that have come out of building things like 
um, I don't know, like building Delve, like there was certain, you know, cards and things like that that may have been uh, something that we liked and, and we might incorporate that into the Office UI fabric. So it's something that's constantly evolving. And um, even though it is has a lot of CSS components to it, there are uh, some great JavaScript components as well. So there's uh, a, a whole number of React components that Microsoft offers around the Office UI fabric. And then there's a big community effort on doing some Angular directives around the Office UI fabric. So you can, um, if you're an Angular person, you can use Angular to manipulate things with that Office UI fabric. Absolutely. Very, very cool indeed. So what is there on the, like when we talk com- like communications, that's a, a big thing, like communications as a platform. Like what are some of the different areas that we allow you to, to build like communication-rich applications, Coatsy? One of the things that excites me is this idea of connectors, the, uh, the concept of being able to um, uh, have uh, something triggered off by an event that happens externally, whether someone does a tweet or, or whatever, and bring it into a conversation that, that you might be having in a team or in Skype or, or, where, or, or in Outlook. That's right. And, and that's one of the key things is these connectors. The development framework around that is I build a connector once and it will work automatically both in things like groups, in a team, in Microsoft Teams, without any sort of change of, of development. And these aren't just like messages that show up in your inbox. Now these actually support the idea of like being actionable. Uh, so imagine I could send in like an approval uh, message through a connector and the user could just right there click an approve or a reject button and even collect some information. There could be like a text box that says, well, if you're rejecting, why are you rejecting? Uh, And so uh, this, to me, opens up the door for a lot of really interesting scenarios. And again, it's great that they work both in um, Outlook and in Teams. Uh, Speaking of Teams, what do we, we've we've had a few shows about that, but let's just at at a high level, uh, Coatsy, what do we offer around extensibility with Teams? That's a pretty rich communication platform itself. Absolutely. So the things that are neat about Teams for me, the the um, the idea of being able to add your own tab tabs into a team channel, uh, which is is uh, contextually aware, but also has uh, provides additional uh, um, additional functionality and, and capability based on other things that are around. And again, it's still just office. It's just a, it's just a web page. It's hosted inside Teams that has an idea about how to how to have that information presented to the to the user. So that's the the first one. Um, the next one is these connectors that we talk about in general. And then finally, there's a thing around bots and bots in Teams to me. Or bots in general is is pretty exciting, but bots in teams is is, is particularly useful, I reckon. Yep. Uh, Super hot area right now. We're uh, certainly an area that has a lot of interest in the community. So, well, again, for everything that we're listing here, we're going to have kind of the getting started experience that you can uh, go and, and reference. Uh, and I would again, I would challenge our listeners if if you're like a SharePoint person, try to experimenting with some of these other things. Uh, or if you're like build office add-ins, or if you're only interested in like Teams, try to you know dip your feet into some of these other areas of development. One most of the areas, I'm just going to say, most of these getting started guides have actually got a a, a, a walkthrough. Here's you know your, your first your first Teams add-in or your first um, SharePoint framework uh, uh, component. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, the the kind of lo- the last area around communications that I'll mention, honestly, this is one of our most popular areas. Uh, when I've done shows like on Channel Nine, some of these have the most views, and this is around Skype extensibility. Um, you you know, I I know that I, I, of all of although sometimes I curse it, 
but of all the technologies in my life that have like been um, transformational to me, I got to say that Skype for Business, well, it was Link back when I first used it, or I guess even Office Communication Server, had probably had the biggest impact on me. You know, things like, and I'm not sure everyone has, has had this experience, but, you know, I in the past, I had to deal with, well, what's that conference bridge number? And like, what's, you know, I'd be driving and having to dial in what the conference code was to, to join. And I like, I don't ever do that anymore. It's a one-click experience. And I also have what's called unified messaging, where all my voicemail gets transcribed to text. And like, just like the overall experience to me was pretty uh, significantly how it changed how I work from a daily basis. Absolutely. Um, and so I think that, that, you know, a lot of people have shared that experience, uh, you know, just as simple as being able to use instant message in the workplace as a professional thing. Um, like, honestly, we couldn't get a, uh, I, don't, I don't know that we could survive without it these days uh, at Microsoft. But there's a whole slew of extensibility things around both Skype, Skype for Business, and even Skype for Business Server, the on-premises version of, like, Skype Online. Um, so there's things like Skype Web SDKs. There's a, a trusted application API that's re- relatively new that we have documentation around. There's UCWA, UCMA. There's all these different things. And um, I would highly recommend going to the link that we'll have in the show notes around like all of these different tools and, and understand like where each one of these fits in and the sort of things that you can build with Skype. Because um, we've made a big change over the course of the last year where we're allowing you to build not only against we've always allowed you to build against your own skype infrastructure that you had on premises but we're also allowing you to do it now in the cloud and so that opens the door for like all of those you know numerous organizations that are leveraging office 365 for their communications very cool indeed now of course um over the last i guess 12 to 18 months we've done a bunch of training uh, in various places at various conferences uh, uh, in Office Dev. And a, a lot of that training content has been uh, um, consolidated onto a GitHub repo uh, in uh, in the Office Dev uh, organization, github.com slash Office Dev slash training content. So there you'll find presentations and walkthroughs and hands-on labs uh, and, uh, and and uh, lab guides and, and demos for all a bunch of these different things, uh, starting from the very the most the, the the broadest strokes at the top to quite detailed um, drill downs into into various parts of office dev technology so definitely worth checking it out it's it, uh, it, it, i wouldn't say it's always being updated but there's a bunch of great stuff there yeah it, it, we do this goes back for years this is something that jeremy Thake started like i really i think almost like three years ago but it's um it does have a lot of fantastic content and it is being revved so we mentioned last week uh, Todd Beginsky built some great content around Microsoft Teams. That's where this lives and is, is in this training content repo. Uh, and it's, so it's huge. Like if you were to clone this, it's like I don't remember how big it is because every single one has a power. Every like they'll have all these really like specific modules, and each one has a PowerPoint deck. It has like demos and labs. So like right. it'll have a lab on how you can build like and get to the end uh, result of that uh, that finished demo. So I can tell you how big it is. It's, it's, it's about two and a half gig. Wow. Because I, wow. I just I had to clone it again the other day. 
That seems wrong. I, I, I got to see what's going on in there. It's probably like a get ignore. They got missed. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm sure, I'm sure much of it, lots of lots of it is the presentations, right? Because people get uh, people get really excited about how how much great content they can put in presentations and how how uh, how wonderful the animations can be and what what detailed high high res backgrounds they can have. You know, all, well, that all, that alone, you know, if you think about it, like I, I get people reaching out to me all the time that are like, "Hey, I need a I need a good uh, deck that talks about the graph, or I need a good deck that talks right. about building word add-ins." Like this, like if there is a deck, like you will find it in this training content repo. I'll apologize. Like it's, I don't know that it's organized, at least the way I would want it, things organized. But um, they've done a decent job of it. Uh, you might have to drill down into. Um, some of these to figure out like what all the different courses include, but um, there is you know they have eight courses out there right now that cover a ton of different things, and they've even have these separate breakouts now. Um, so we'll definitely reference it. There's a ton of information out there. I know that the office product group is investing heavily on getting new content created there all the time. Absolutely, and the other thing I want to call out about that is this. I, I've seen this stuff get used in a bunch of different organizations as starters for internal user groups and presentations. So you want to get started with Office Dev. I'm, I'm going to, you, know, you find someone who's kind of a little bit passionate about it. They find a couple of these presentations in here and they do a, a brown bag. And now all of a sudden everyone's kind of getting on the same page and you're building expertise. And this is a great resource for that. Absolutely. Well, so that's really what we wanted to cover this week was just to, you know, every once in a while it's good to take a step back and talk about some of the kind of 100 level getting started areas, especially regardless of where you're at. I I doubt there are very many of our listeners that are, you know, really deep across all of these different areas. Um, And so this hopefully will get you maybe thinking about pursuing a different area within Office 365 development. All it's going to do is is you know provide you with a broader set of skills and make you more no, uh, knowledgeable and marketable in the the workforce. So uh, appreciate everyone listening this week. Coatsy, I hope you have a, a great week. Thanks, Rich. You too, mate. It's uh, I'm looking forward to catching up with you at at Build uh, next month. Oh, oh, almost next month, uh, and uh, and hearing about some of the uh, the cool things that people are up to in, in Office Dev. Awesome. Well, we'll be back next week with a a great guest. We have a few really good guests lined up uh, for the next couple weeks between now and build. So I hope everyone has a great week and we'll see you next week. Well, that's all for this week. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all our podcasts, the developer program, and other amazing content. Also, make sure you follow us at Office Dev on both Twitter and Facebook. Until next week, get your code on.